If you like me and you handed in your resignation this week, then you're in the right place. This is Between Two Jobs. If you've ever wanted to know what it's like to be invited to all the best restaurants in Paris to take photos of their beautiful food and venues, then do I have the guest for you. Today, I'm speaking with the ridiculously talented photographer, Joanne Pye, who is the genius behind Slice of Pie. Joanne, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Before we go into um, how you've ended up in Paris and France and all that jazz, can you tell me a little bit about where you're actually originally from? So I was born in Taiwan and then I grew up in the US and then spent the last 15 or 16 years in Canada before moving to France. How long were you in Taiwan? How did you get over to that side of the world? So I was in Taiwan until I was nine. And then my parents, my whole family immigrated to the States. And we grew up in New Jersey, so next to New York. And then I worked really hard to lose the accent before moving (laughs) to Canada. And yeah, so we all immigrated to Canada together and for about 16 years. Wow. Okay. So you would say um, most of your time then has been in Canada, Canada. before yeah, coming exactly. to here? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. What were you doing in Canada? What were you working as? Or did you study there too? Or? Yeah, so I finished my high school there and then university. I studied uh, criminology and psychology and in hopes to become a lawyer and later changed my mind. But uh, then I started working for um, different jobs and eventually ended up working for the Canadian government and immigration for I think about four or five years before uh, changing my job. That seems like a, a lot of work, I suppose, before going down the path of photography. I'd love to know what it was that you were doing, um, how you've managed to change your career to photography. Sure. I, I originally started getting into uh, criminology and psychology because I was really interested in it and because I was really good at arguing with my older brother. My parents thought I would be best fitted to become a lawyer. So that's where I came from. But I think after studying and then doing uh, working in law firms, um, as a stagia, I realized that that's actually not what, what I wanted to do. So I went into uh, government jobs because I do enjoy working with uh, immigrants because I have a attachment to, to that coming from my own background as well and to help people come into the country and because we felt that we were so lucky to have been able to immigrate to both the U.S. and Canada and have an upbringing. So I did really enjoy working with people that way. And I also worked in a, a women's shelter um, before working for the government as well. And how long were you working for the government? Um, I think for four or five years. Right. Okay. And then how do you then later make the decision, oh, yes, and I'd like to move to France now? Does that come, <laughs> does that come at the same time as, and I'd also like to be a photographer, or are they happening at different times? Um, the photography part came first, actually. I've always grew up loving photography and had a camera and just was really interested in food. Like, food was my biggest passion. I pretty much worked in order to be able to go eat. And my mom was the one that really gave me that passion. She really lived for food. 
food too. I remember growing up in Jersey, she would like make us hop in a car and we would drive to like Philadelphia, just eat at this one restaurant she heard about. No way. Or like Flushing, New York, because you want Asian food. Or wow. I think we went all the way out to like Pittsburgh once for something. So that those were like my memories growing up that it was always like worth it to to invest in food yeah invest in food and like plan something around food right so the, there was a, initially a love for food yeah and then photography comes into it because you have like was photography a hobby at first yeah it was a hobby and it was a way to document food i was documenting in like restaurants i was eating at and then the biggest passion came when i was uh started a food blog with my best friend and then we just to learn how to cook recipes more we had both just like moved out to like purchased our first homes in vancouver and wanted to cook at home more and then we were trying out these recipes and I was taking pictures of them and uh, putting them on our mutual blog and that was when I realized that my photography was not good at all (laughs) I had no idea what like a good food photography looked like you know what equipment were you using to do your initial photography um I think just like a like a snap and shoot kind of small yeah. camera n- not nothing like nothing SLR or, or professional yeah it was just whatever I had and I think iPhones weren't even powerful enough back then so yeah so I was doing that and then I just really fell into the rabbit hole of uh, researching how to do a nice photo and the importance of like lighting your food and uh, and styling and got really into it it was my I think the only time I ever felt like a need for doing something creative and having that release after long days of work. Does that mean that you didn't have any professional training in photography or did you later come across that or has it just been as you go you've learned? Uh, as I go I've learned uh, so I really started out with nothing wow. and I looked into YouTube videos or reading just like blog posts back then from photographers that I love they always have like a little tutorial section. So I read about like what camera equipment I use and how to block light and bounce light and just really trial and error. I lived alone at that time. So I remember there's so many nights where I come home from work like five or six o'clock and I would cook and I wouldn't like eat until I finished taking pictures like 10 or 11 o'clock at night wow. because I was just so obsessed with getting getting it right and getting it and learning from my mistakes. That's so impressive that it's all completely self-taught. Yeah, I, I think a lot of photographers these days are self-taught just because the material is so available. out there. Yeah, exactly. You can really get the materials everywhere to, to learn. Did you make the photography professional in Canada or was that something that happened whilst you were here? In Canada, actually. So even though nobody read my blog, I I really got into photographing food and it was this time that Instagram was becoming popular as well. So I was just posting my images there. I've never intended to or thought it was ever possible to go into photography and I would just like day job and hobby, you know? And then uh, someone in Vancouver who owned a business offer just asked me like, are you a photographer? I need to someone to photograph my food products. And I sort of lied and said yes. <laughs> and and uh, the first shoot, I mean, she was so nice to me. She knew that I, I wasn't working professionally, that she was my first client. And uh, the first shoot was done in my home where I've been photographing all my 
you know, all my creations for the blog. So I was familiar with how to do that. And then from there, like as difficult as it was, it took me hours to take one picture that I was satisfied with. Like I, after that one job, I knew that that's something I wanted to do more and more. Was it difficult to find clients initially when you're thinking, oh, I didn't even realize I could be a professional at this and therefore you maybe didn't know exactly where to look or was it actually easy enough to find now that you knew that there was this door that had opened for you? I would say uh, I was lucky because of Instagram, but it was still difficult in the sense that I had no idea what the business was like. Yeah. So a lot of people, when they first approach you, um, they know that if you're not a professional, they can like uh, offer a barter, like to photograph for products or yeah. uh, exchange to dine in the restaurant. And I uh, had a really good friend who was working as a professional photographer, not in food, but uh, in general, named Maurice, who really helped to guide me as to what was uh, important to know before starting a photography business and to uh, learn how to value your own work and what that means to the client as well. Because if you value your work, they will as well. And also it helps with the community of photographers. If you start working for free, they see no value in paying for that. And that doesn't help other photographers in the community. So then you kind of change careers and then you decide to change countries? So I I changed careers, but only after, I think, two years of just working part-time as a photographer and Uh full-time at the government job. And I would, I wouldn't tell my clients that I had a day job. So I'd be like, oh, I'm only available on weekends or the evenings if if the light sets late. And eventually I was working too much. And one day I actually passed out from exhaustion. No way. And got stitches on my head, (gasps) ended up in the emergency. So that's when I knew like, okay, I have to really evaluate what I want to do and make the leap if this is what I really want to do. And for someone who's worked at stable jobs all their lives with a nice cushy pension, it was difficult to make that decision. But uh, yeah, I made the switch and had no, not really uh, savings or any um, regular clients because jobs come, come and go. So it was really scary at first not to have that regular paycheck to know if you can pay your mortgage or, you know, all that stuff. But are you saying that you switched to being full-time just photography yeah. in Canada? In Canada. Okay. A year before I moved to Paris. Okay. So after that switch, uh, I was gaining a lot of momentum yeah. uh, with finding clients and things were going well. Also because I lucked out being in Vancouver, it's a kind of a smaller city. So once you're known, you know, the word gets around. It's just gotcha. easier than if you're, for example, in New York, you might get a bit more lost, right? So it'd be really hard to start. But surely that's the same in Paris right so like Paris is a really big city and you go from Vancouver where you feel like you're getting a bit of a reputation so why Mm. did you decide oh I'm just going to drop this and try something that might be a little bit out of my depth even so even before I became a photographer it was always a dream of mine to live in Paris like many Americans growing up we kind of romanticize what it is what it would be like living here and having spent most of my time in North America, like you've always kind of fantasized life in Europe, you know, the the slower pace, sitting on the terrace, uh, sipping a cup of coffee, learning about the art history and the uh, uh, culture of food, etc. So when I had left the job and I started working as a photographer, I had that in the back of my mind, like, wow, I've always wanted to spend a year in Paris. But it's just really harmful for my career because mm. I'm, you know, gaining Stunned. momentum on that. Yeah. yeah. And then one of my uh, best friends, Jackie, and she'll remember telling me this. She's like, what are you so afraid of? Like, you know, you, ha- you have everything that this is like the time to do it. If you don't do it, you will regret it. Like, yeah. 
you know, if you want it so badly, just just do it. As a Canadian, you can also get a one-year visa, like a working holiday visa, quite easily to go to France. So that's what I came with. Yeah. Then you arrive here, and I'm I'm just going to assume, but tell me differently, because you have a bit of that Canadian background. Does that mean that your French skills were actually kind of Zero. good? Zero, okay. because I spent most of my life uh, like in school um, in the states. Okay. where I learned German croissant, which I learned to like say really well, and have been complimented on it before. Uh, other than that, like ordering food, getting coffee, uh, saying like bonjour and merci, uh, nothing. Wow. So how would you say your French skills are now? Ooh. Um, I would say I can have simple communication. Like I can communicate like, you know, normal day-to-day stuff easily. I'm really, really good at ordering food. It hasn't, if you're saying that it's still kind of limited, it hasn't impacted your ability to get work or, or even find work? Has oh, finding- definitely. Yeah, it's it's impacted my ability to, I guess, feel at ease uh, being in Paris as well, because once you know the language, you understand the culture more and you're more ease with your um, abilities here and also gaining clients here as well. Sure. So in the first, I think first two years, it was really, really tough for me. I actually spent most of my time flying back to Canada, like back and forth in order to just work. Wow. So I would, I think the first year I went back to Canada five times, like chunks of time because I still had clients there and I would work and then have nothing in Paris. And then I met with a uh, photography, uh, food photography agent, like one of the mo- biggest ones. And I was like, oh, uh, please have a look at my work. And he looked at it and all he said to me was, your style is very North American. I think you should just go back there. No So way. I w- went home crying, but I knew that my time in Paris wasn't over. So I just kept going and I took whatever jobs I could get and worked mostly for um, English speaking clients. Luckily, like being in Paris, a lot of clients are always like interested in writing about Paris. Yeah. So I always had like editorial stories to lean on, uh, started working for the New York Times, etc. So that was helpful. And then when you arrive here, you don't know the language. Was there anything Oh, I suppose aside from the language or even including the language that was, oh, that's a bit of a culture shock. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> oh, God. Um, well, I started dating my now husband, I think, a month after I moved to Paris, like accidentally, not planning to meet anyone. <laughs> so it happened quickly. And uh, we had a lot of like culture shock moments between uh-huh. us two and just learning about uh, each other's ways and how we communicate and the language barrier too. And uh, I wouldn't say there was anything shocking because I did learn a bit about the French culture before I moved here and okay. have spent a lot of time here. But I would say like learning how to communicate and knowing that uh, like as a Canadian, French people are more direct. So you have to be prepared for that and not be super sensitive all the time or that they they're very direct, but they take a very long time to get there. So there's no long story short. So they spend 10 minutes telling you, it's like, wait, what, so what was the uh, the point of this? Whereas like if you grew up in North America, you're taught to be like direct, like you yeah. always have like five seconds to get your point across yeah. and not give like a whole... Don't uh, dilly-dally, just get to the point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What did your family and friends, apart from that one friend that supported you to say, hey, you should just come on over or hey, you should just move to France? 
what are all your friends and family thinking when you actually make that decision and you say, oh, actually, yes, I'm just going to I'm just going to drop everything and go now. Well, my friends were happy for me to my face, at least <laughs> my my parents were really worried because they've just dealt with me quitting like a long term government job. And like, oh, I'm becoming a photographer, uh, freelancing. And now it's like, oh, I moved into France. So they probably thought I was going through like a really early midlife crisis. But I think after I got settled here and they came to visit for the first time last year when I got married, uh-huh. they really saw what I've like built for, for ourselves here and uh, understand why I, I want to be here. How did you transition from your blog to where you are today? It was easier to transition from the blog because no one was reading it except for my mom. So we stopped paying for the subscription. So that one closed down. But it closed down when I was uh, starting to use Instagram more and more as a platform. And I found it easier on Instagram too because I was also, I am also a terrible food writer. So on the blog, we would make something and I would be like, this was delicious. You should make it. <laughs> and then that was it. And yeah. I realized my passion was more the photography part of it than the written part of it. So really, thanks to uh, social media and thanks to a lot of people um, that I met like throughout this journey that really helped me to get here. Like, I, as I mentioned, my friend Maurice and Jackie who pushed me. And also uh, after moving in Paris, uh, one of the uh, journals uh, and writer, uh, Lindsay Tremuda, she she really like helped me in the beginning to, to um, find clients in Paris as well. So I had a lot of people who helped me along the way with the technical stuff and or like networking. And what have been some favorite projects that you've been able to work on? I'm really lucky right now because I'm currently working for a a hotel group called Relais Chateau. And uh, I really enjoy it because they have been sending me sort of around the world to photograph their properties and as as well as like their food. And for Relais Chateau restaurants, they always seem to have really good restaurants. So I really get to discover wherever I am in the world through the cuisine, which is what I love the most. We just wrapped up with Lindsay Tremita, photographer's second book called The New Parisians, which is coming out next year. And uh, it's a really different project than what I'm used to because it's not related to food at all. Ah. Yeah, so I was taking portraits of uh, women around the city. Oh, wow. Yeah, she'll share more about that. But that's a project that I was super excited about because one, is something completely different. And uh, it's like learning new skills. And also the best part was just like meeting all these uh, incredible women. You... Take some time kind of getting your foot in the door and, and I suppose um, building up your portfolio, but then all of a sudden you're in things like Vogue. I feel like that's a really big leap or how does that kind of thing happen? First happened when I started gaining popularity on Instagram. So when I was in Vancouver, I was uh, started getting featured on like BuzzFeed as like one of the top you know, 10 food Instagrammers in 2000 whatever year and then just kind of spread like wildfire. I remember it was like so thrilling and scary to see your name on something because like I said before that I, I worked in jobs where I'm my name's never anywhere right like I'm, I'm behind the cubicle and I'm not responsible for anything and I I not expected to to shine yeah i guess uh, which was a different pressure too like it's exciting but it's also scary because for the first time i'm putting my work and myself out there and then you know people can judge it could go well or go badly so 
Like for me, I'm not um, someone who enjoys being in a spotlight. I would say I just really enjoyed being able to do the work that I love. Was that something that you maybe didn't realize would be the result of being so successful in what you're doing? That that you would end up being in the spotlight, or is that something that's been like completely unexpected? It was expected in the sense that I knew that because a lot of my clients came from social media, or a lot of like uh, uh, publicity came from that too. That um, it was needed, sort of necessary for me to, and I really appreciated what it's given me. Right, don't get me wrong, and also not just jobs wise, but I made a lot of friends through social media, and I'm able to travel around the world and meet other people who、um, are passionate about the same thing.、Um, but、um, at the same time, I'm not someone who's comfortable being always out there and just、uh, showing my life as it is.、Um, so it's taken me a while to kind of find that balance as to what I'm comfortable with and. And、uh, what parts I want to keep to myself? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and actually, if we could just go back to the friends、sure. part, actually,、okay. because I would imagine that that would be maybe one of the more difficult things to deal with when you're changing countries is actually finding a new network of friends or a new bunch of friends, especially if you do have that kind of language barrier that you are dealing with. How have you managed to kind of、um, settle in and f- make friends in a new country? Well, the thing about Paris is that the expat community is quite、um, small and and close. So I was really lucky to have a few people like reach out to me, and I reached out to quite a few people on、uh, social media that I've been following for a while too,、uh-huh. and and、uh, through one person they introduced me to another. So it's it's been easy for me in that way. But you also start living in like a expat. Bubble, yes.、And、I've always heard that it will be difficult to make like French friends in the beginning, obviously because of the language and also because they they have their own group of friends. So why would they need some foreigner who doesn't understand what they're talking about? But、uh, yeah, in the past year or so, I've managed to get a few French friends on my own who forgive me my for like. Not speaking French perfectly and my funny accent and all the、uh, grammatical errors that I make. What's something that you think people don't tell you before moving to Paris or France? I think I didn't expect to、uh, how difficult it would be on a day to day basis. I think、um, as an American, you always see like, oh, it's a、uh, slower living here. It's so enjoyable. They're balancing like life and work. You know, it's great. Like you sit on the terrace for hours. But when you're in France and you're like wanting to get stuff done, it takes forever. <laughs> <laughs> so just like、uh, getting like administrative paper done, you, you end up going a few times because、uh, you're missing a paper. Everything has to be in like a really big dossier and paper, paper, paper. Or like getting your internet set up takes forever.、Uh, so you just have to like prepare yourself for those and embrace it. And if you had advice for someone who is thinking about moving overseas or even moving to France in particular, what would you tell them? Just do it. I mean, learn a lot about what you're getting yourself into as much as you can.、Uh, learn the language if you can, because it makes such a huge difference in、uh, integrating yourself to a society, of course. And、uh, I say do it because I've learned so much about myself in the last、uh, f- like four years or so that I've been here, and、uh, it's it's a great challenge and. You know, it's it was it's never a bad thing to learn more and see more of different parts of the world. And so that wraps my conversation with the photographer Joanne Pye. 
But that also wraps up the final episode of season two of Between Two Jobs. A huge thank you to all of the guests this season, Annette Young, Ali McDonald-Bull, Riley Hensler, Daniel Gassan, and of course, today's guest, Joanne Pye. An overwhelming amount of support has come through this season. So if you joined Between Two Jobs in season two, then I strongly recommend that you go back to where it all began and listen to the episodes in season one. If there's a job that you'd like to know more about for a new season, or if you just want to get involved, shoot an email through to hello at betweentwojobs.com. And if you'd like to stay in the loop on all the latest news, then make sure to follow Instagram at betweentwojobs. Until next time, good luck at work this week.